Hey everyone, this is Trauma Drama, and we are your hosts, Kaylee and Nick, and this is where we discuss surviving adulthood. We can probably agree that we're all pretty fucked up and that it affects us every day, whether we know it or not. I used to think that wasn't me, but if you come from a family, live in our society, go to school, experience love, sex, and friendships, then you're in the right place. Kay and I are going to break down everyday life and problems that come from managing your drama post-trauma. Let's fucking do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trauma Drama. That is Nick, and I am still Kaylee, and we're so excited to have you back. We have kind of a weird and interesting show planned for today, but um, Nick says he has some exciting stories, so I'm excited about that. I do. Uh, On today's episode of Trauma Drama, we're going to start with our sweet and sours, then go into our main topic today. And our main topic today, while we were thinking about it, we had to break it up into two parts. So I'm going to be covering Mm. one part while Kaylee covers the other part. Um, and we'll get to that when we get there. Um, and then we're going to finish mm-hmm. off with our deep cut and hard truths. So since I'm bringing in a pretty heavy sour, why don't you go first with your shit and then I'll I'll finish it with mine. With my shit? Thank yeah, you, Nick. With your That's shit. very yeah, generous just, of you. I'm just letting you <laughs> just go. Uh, <sighs> I, I know. And I, I shouldn't have said that we had an interesting or exciting story because you said it was a pretty heavy story. But I'm excited, I guess, to hear it and to talk about it. Um, yeah. But my, my sweet, I think... Um, I got, I, don't, I think I've already talked about this. I don't remember if I have, but I got two new tattoos last week and they are now starting to be very itchy and they're, but like they're healing and they're healing nicely, which is yes. exciting. Um, and then yesterday I got to have like a really nice, just like resting sort of day. I got to spend a lot of time with Millie, my dog, which was really good. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. But we got to, we got to do a lot of like fun and nice and relaxing things. So it felt good to have kind of a relaxing day so those are my sweets pretty short and simple that is good did you have any sours um i would say i'm having a little bit of sour but i don't know if i want to talk about it yet because it's like something i want to bring to my therapist first but it's a little bit of like emotional management that i'm working through so i guess that is a little bit of a sour but i will save it for the next episode when i go talk to my therapist about it and then can bring it back with some more um emotional words yeah no i think i think that's a good idea um cool all right so my suite today is morning dates so i went we me and my wife we walked down to breakfast today we walked felt very european (laughs) that's so fun what it it was fun um we got some cool Uh, breakfast and then came back home and then exercised dixie together we walked her around let her run around so it was super fun that's so fun. Yeah, Wait, this... that's really cute. I was going to call <laughs> Kayla this morning, my best uh, friend and your wife, yes. and then I thought, she's in bed. There's no way she's yeah. up and about. There's no, There's no way, way she's up. No, I had to wake her up. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> she made plans to watch Grey's Anatomy and then took a nap, and I woke her up, and she said, I'm too tired. I went back to bed. So she slept through her plans <laughs> yesterday and almost slept through the same <gasps> plans today. Uh, so it was fun. Um, she is the tiredest girl. She is always. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's like going okay, with my I'm ready, sour. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. So uh, I do want to issue a little bit of a trigger warning. So bam, 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 bam. Right. Bam, 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 bam. I can't do it as good as you. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Um, so it happened at work last night. So I work in a restaurant. Um, it is in a higher end place in San Diego, one of the more wealthiest places in Rancho Santa Fe. And we had this guy who was, he was, there was some musician on our upper patio. It's a separate from okay. our actual restaurant. 
So the musician was playing and then this one guy started getting really fucked up and that bartender kept coming down and telling us, you guys come look at this guy. He was coked out of his mind. He kept going to the bathroom, coming back, just, you know, wiping his nose, still powder on his nose. And then he was drinking. So my bartender was like, hey, dude, you're, you're cut off. And he was like, whatever, dude. He was kind of being an asshole, but no one around was having a problem with him because he was a fun drunk. Like he wasn't harassing people. Then he started to harass someone. He was just drinking out of their drinks. So the bartender was like, hey. What? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we're not upset. Like, it's cool, but can we have new drinks? And that's when the bartender was like, all right, Nick. Or not all right, Nick. He came down. I just yeah. happened to I just happened to be there. <laughs> and he was like, hey, Tim, he's our manager. Can you call Rancho Santa Fe Patrol and have them come and get this guy out of here? And he's like, yeah, sure. So at this point, right, we're all up at that bar watching what's about to happen RSF. so wait the hotel i have i have a hundred yeah, questions yeah, yeah. i'm no, so please. sorry to interrupt so no, there's no, no this is a security good point for the, yeah so there's no security for the restaurant or the hotel or no, anything like that no so like we've had people get hit oh. in the face before servers have to break up fights um we do have an overnight security but that's when we're all gone um and they've had to like sometimes our wedding parties go into like 2 a.m at our, oh some of our banquet halls so he's had to do stuff like that but that's okay. mainly corralling drunks and getting them back to their rooms so the manager went straight to calling the patrol because the guy wouldn't leave? Like they didn't think about calling an Uber or... No, no, no. The guy would not leave the, oh, okay. the bar area. Um, okay. So instead okay. of calling the sheriff's department, Rancho Santa Fe is so wealthy, they have their own, but they're volunteers. So they aren't actual law enforcement. They're not police officers. And they're not armed. They are armed. Um, so they've What? Had, yeah, there are security guards that are armed. So, yeah, <laughs> I go buy weed and there's security guards that are... 300 plus pounds not like they've, Shut have, the fuck they've gone through up. no training but they are they're armed yeah yeah it's not why if you oh go my, through those, i have a hundred issues with that yeah that's probably an issue um on its own but besides Whoa. that okay 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 keep going keep going i'm sorry i'm sorry no 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 that was a good place to interject so okay we were very close to the, the rancher santa fe volunteer patrol station um and we're also okay. covered by the san diego sheriff's department so we don't have a police department per se so they okay. get there in like 30 seconds. They're not really doing anything. Um, Just they like show on up. standby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And okay. they roll into the bar and they're like, what's up, Zach? Because they, they know him. Like, it's not abnormal that we have to call them for stuff. But sometimes it is just to make sure that people get home. Like, it's it's weird stuff. Mm. It's so unlike, wait, Zach is the manager, not the person that no, they're coming to. Zach is the bartender okay. who went and got okay. my manager, Tim. Tim called RSF okay. Patrol. But Tim is the manager for everything so he's not really there but i'm uh-huh. not that busy and i'm like this could be okay. interesting so i'm watching it rsf patrol two white police officers come in um over 60 years old because they're all volunteers so they're all already retired so they probably were law enforcement right most of the time that's what happens they are bored okay. and they do that so they come in what's up zach zach's like hey this guy he won't stop um he's he's out of control he's on cocaine he's drinking he's harassing people okay. what do you want us to do about it zach can you just escort him off the property? I, he, you don't have to put him under arrest, give him a ticket, just just take him away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, what does he look like? And he's like, he's the guy over there in the corner with the blue suit on. And they're like, okay. They walk, they kind of veer left, and we're all like, where where are they going? And he, oh, they, no. walk, they walk up to the only black person <gasps> on the patio who is dressed in sports gear, not a suit, and start like saying, what are you doing here, sir? What are you doing tonight? And the wife, his wife is a white woman and she fucking loses it. And they're like, ma'am, ma'am, we're talking to your husband. We're asking him <gasps> questions. 
and he's like i'm just sitting here having a good dinner and oh they're like god. oh my god they're going at this guy and the wife starts screaming for zach my bartender so good. he so we're all watching this i've watched good. this whole thing and he runs out and he's like what's going on and they're like is this the guy and he's like what no it's that guy behind you in the blue suit like Behind them now, but they saw the whole thing when they walked in, unless they didn't do a scene size up, which me as an EMT was trained to do. So there was no excuse for them going to the wrong person. It was pure racism. Yeah, it was pure racism. It was disgusting. I've never witnessed anything like that. So then what happened? So much happened. So much happened. But that was just like, I need a breath after that. that, It's such such an intense story. So if you have any okay. questions, please ask now. No, I, I don't have questions. I think I, I hear you saying that this is the first time you've witnessed that and it's the first time that, you know, you've been a part of, of something like that. But I think I want to say that that is, for both of us, rooted in so much privilege and yeah, no, it is white and, people and not having to, like, m- like manage overt racism towards us. But I'm sure black and brown folks experience that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like no, yeah, I know. And so they, they, often, and he did. And, and people think that racism is like not around anymore, and yeah. that racism doesn't exist. And I mean, you, I've studied uh, it. I've like wrote, written about it. I've mm-hmm. done research on it. But to see it mm-hmm. firsthand like that was mm-hmm. mind blowing. And it was mm-hmm. like I was obviously not trying to take it personal, but I was like, wow, that was like a huge hit for white men everywhere. It's like. <laughs> that that's unacceptable at this point in time to do that correct because i think yes. i had mentioned it like the cancel culture it's like yes. at, at this point there's no yes. reason for you you not to... witnessed a yeah. scene that you wanted to cancel white yeah. men i was like in what general the fuck? because well and all, like... I've, sorry i've been in that situation okay. before as right. an emt working for the fire yeah. department i was in the area i was closer than fire so i got there first there was no mm-hmm. police there yet and I had to yeah. walk into a scene not knowing what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. there was different people of color, my, minorities, ethnicities, you name it. And I didn't make mm. a mistake like that. And it's just like these guys were talking to him with their yeah. hands on their guns, like ready to go. And the wife made a really good point afterwards because she. So what happened afterwards? Um, she made. You're a ready huge, now? Yeah, she made a huge scene. <laughs> um, but good. We, they figured out like it was the other guy. They took him away. And then she just started screaming at us. And my manager and the bartender mm. and we were like, "Lady, we're on your side here." You know, so there was like, but "How far do we?" Tell let me this what lady? she said because I think I agree with her. No, no, she said some really good stuff, but she Kay. was going after us for about an hour and a half, and Kay. I disagree with that. There was, we are on your side. Like we mm. all saw what just happened. We are all like, "Whoa!" Please speak your mind to us, but you're screaming at us, telling us you're never going to come back here. This is the worst place ever. It's like we didn't do any of that. She took it. Uh, she took it too far because she was. You could tell she was viscerally mad, right? So she was yeah. she wasn't thinking yeah. straight, and but she made a really good point that she has the ability and the right to flip out like that as a white woman when her husband has to sit there and remain calm because if Correct. he flips out, he's gonna he could probably get shot. Like, absolutely. And I was like, wow, I never thought about it from that perspective. Like that was yes, it was very intense. Um, I talked to them after. That is. I, Ugh. Yeah, no, keep going. Yeah, if you have No, I just was going to say to me, yeah, I do. I was cuz I was going to say to me that is the definition of an ally, like being willing to sacrifice your own privileges in order to create spaces of justice is like yeah. the actual, you know, the actual definition of of being anti-racist and having like that social justice perspective but also just standing up for like fucking hate. Yeah. And I think that I I agree with her in some senses of, you know, that so much of police violence and in this case 
gun violence because it's not even police violence because they're not police because they're right. fucking volunteers. But I think like but the it thing lives is in the that they it do, lives in the they are in uniform. And when I was in uniform, I wasn't the police, but I got treated like I was. You were in so uniform, yeah, like exactly. The, uniform. the uniformity, no, totally. And I because that's what I was gonna say is it lives in like that institution and the process of if you needed that sort of support if you needed to get this drunk guy out of here that's why i asked all those questions like why did the police have to be involved in the first place or why did they have to be called because yeah that institution or process of like persecuting somebody involves always the police and in cases where i don't know i wish that it wouldn't like could that have been avoided maybe but then that involves again it's it's that space of like allyship or being willing to sacrifice your privileges yeah. in order to be able to to do the right thing so like you or another manager, another employee, like walking that person out, you know, like that could have, I don't yeah, want to say then, that you could have done anything. I don't want to say that you could have yeah. done anything different because I agree. It's an impossible situation, I guess is what because I'm trying to say. if we do, we, we, we're not, we're not allowed to do that. We can't put right. hands on right. someone and physically right. remove them. And right. I, and that, I won't be able to hold back if they put hands on me. I'm going to lose. Yes. Them. And then now I'm fired and lose my job. It's like, that's not worth it. Here, just call RSF patrol. That's why they're, yes. they're not doing anything. Totally, there and I guess that's what I... people on the patio, and they just said, "Yeah, oh, it's not that guy tweaking out on cocaine, it's that guy. And it's like, dude, this guy was ripping wow. his jacket on and off. He was like, yeah! He was losing his mind, and they said, Jesus. it's the black guy. And it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah, no, I guess, and I guess I didn't, I didn't mean to say that you or anyone there could have done anything different. I just, I guess, I want to abolish the system. No, it all fucking sucks. I know, and that—that that to me is a, another frustrating issue. People are always like, "Here are options instead of calling the police." And it's mm. like, if you send social workers to domestic violence calls, like that, a hundred percent of cops' deaths in the line of duty, eighty percent of those happens at domestic violence calls. Mm. Um, and those numbers are rough estimates, but it is a dramatic. It's more than fifty percent, I'd say, mm. confidently. Um, when I was going Jeez. down the police route, that was part of our training. Like, cause we're going into these yeah. scenes. We don't know. So to have someone go there, like what you just asked me to Nick, can, can you do that instead? It's like, um, mm. no, I'm not, I don't have any armor on. I don't have anything to defend mm-hmm. myself. No, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. Sorry. No, I agree. And I, I didn't mean to say that you should have done something different. I apologize. That was not what I meant. I think it got miscommunicated that that was well, not I also, my intent. No, and I know, but I think that that's a common, like, that's a common thought. Yes, it is. totally. And yeah. if you're not mm-hmm. in it, like I was in it, and I, mm-hmm. they gave me as an EMT driving an ambulance, here's your body armor and your helmet. Um, yeah. If you get caught in a riot or a mob, ditch the ambulance, ditch your uniform, and it's like, you know, I do have some experience. So when I was sitting there saying, like, that was unacceptable, and it was like, I've been in that same situation, and yeah. that was unacceptable. So. And it's fucking crazy because in, in my role, Nick, like, I also have, like, I manage – abuse and violent situations as well and I'm expected to be the sort of first responder responder in a way but always always like I don't know it's so interesting because in situations like that like I would probably be asked to respond if it was on a college campus and then in situations like at one of my other institutions which was a public school in California anytime we smelt marijuana we had to call the police Mm. like just it just doesn't make sense sometimes as like the way that the institution's make decisions about how to like manage or address crises because in those states of like vulnerable decision making is where abuse racism sexism things like come about i guess that's not the only way but to me that seems like the most overt way is when 
you have to you have to make a choice in a like fight or flight moment and that's where people really no and that's that was kind of my point too because when i'm going into when i was going into scenes for me they were life or death for my life Mm -hmm. and my partner's Mm -hmm. life i don't know this could be a trap like i've been trained for this to be a trap and it's like it was so deeply rooted that racism in those volunteer patrol officers that they that's just what they did and it's my manager at the end of the night was like i don't know what to do nick i don't know and i was like the only thing you can do is right to their supervisor and hope it goes up the chain because even yeah. if you go and chew their ear out, it's they're not even going to know what they did. Like, yeah. they're just so oblivious at this point, right? I that think that's weren't. a great. I think that's a great form of action, though, right? Yeah. Into their supervisor. I think that makes a lot Absolutely. of sense. We got their um, uh, we got their unit number and their badge numbers and their names, and that's yeah. the next step. So good. Yeah. So the people that were attacked, victimized, pointed at, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, they yeah they screamed are they at us okay? for about an hour and a half. I don't know, the wife is probably <laughs> okay. still yelling, but okay. Uh, yeah, so I went up to them as they were leaving and apologized for what happened and was like, "Hey, Dead. I have a platform. Um, I started this podcast. We have X amount of listeners, but what you said in there that a lot of this stuff goes on deaf ears. I agree with you. And what we're trying mm. to do is bridge the gap between those two parties. So I would love to me as a white male, sir." I don't know what you just went through and I would love to interview you and ask you some questions so I can hmm. try to learn and teach our listeners because yeah. I want us to make the world a better place. And that was kind of where I left hmm. it and they gave me their business card and said, email us. It's good. So I thought that was kind of cool. Jeez. But they're okay. Like they're... Yeah, no, they're, nothing okay. happened. They literally, okay. when Zach said, that's the guy, they turned around, grabbed him and left. Like, Jeez. They were just like, for reals, pissed off, which obviously they had a right to be. Oh, I have a hundred thoughts, but we are. Yeah, no, we have to move on. That was a very happily. Long that was. I'm really. I'm sorry that you had to experience that, Nick. I'm sorry that those humans had to experience that. I'm glad that everybody's okay. I think that is like the best case scenario. Yeah, I just um, like don't know what to tell, because I have conversations like this with like my dad or my father-in-law mm. sometimes. Like, some of their they don't believe in affirmative action, and it's just mm. like they're they just don't understand. Like they can't see past that little barrier. But like if I try mm. to tell them what happened. They'd be like, no, that black guy was definitely doing something suspicious. And I'm like, no, I watched it. He wasn't, wow. he was sitting, listening to the music. And it's just like, that's, that's what's scary. It's like, I can't even be honest about what happened to certain people because they are just mm-hmm. so like, no. Refuse to yeah, believe. There's, we're not yeah. racist. There's no racism. We're all uh, equal. <laughs> it's like, oh. Jeez, jeez, jeez. It's so cool. So I want to share one more resource too. Cause I, like I had said, I think in our last episode, I've been working at my institution to do some anti-racism work and received this really great resource um, adapted from an article called The Continuum for Cultural Competency. Um, And it talks about the different phases of becoming anti-racist or abolishing racism. And that the first part, like the least, the farthest away from dismantling or like Mm -hmm. being anti-racist, it's hostility. So, So like seeing differences in people as a problem, um, okay. identifying one group as superior, like being overtly hostile um, towards other groups that are not the majority. Gotcha. Um, and then it, it kind of phases through to being unaware um, and then colorblind and then into aware and then into appreciation, advocacy, and, and then into being an accomplice. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really liked the transition between like hostile and then even towards like accomplice and so these last three at the bottom they talk about like appreciation advocacy and accomplice which is i think all phases that um it sounds like 
yeah, just all phases I think that we would want to to exist in. Um, So being able to accept, value, and appreciate differences, seeking out opinions of other groups, actively participate in dismantling stereotypes, seek to interact with different groups, and then the final accomplice sort of phase of anti-racism is demonstrating the willingness to lose access of privilege and or sacrifice yourself in order to promote justice. And so that was what I was talking about earlier. Gotcha, yeah, that was what the girl did. The definition, I wanted to get the definition right before we moved on because I think that's a a really good resource. Good, good, uh, Good correction on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Are you ready to move on to our main topic? Let's do it. Yeah. So our main topic today is trauma bonding and shared trauma. So, Mm -hmm. Kayla, you can start with shared trauma, but before you do, give a little bit of a background on both. Yeah. So I I wanted to talk about this topic today because I had heard the word trauma bonding and I was like, what is that word? How have we never heard of that word before? Um, And then I, I didn't do any research until Nick and I came together in this meeting because I wanted us to like explore it together. Um, and so we we went through and kind of understood or found out more of what, what trauma bonding was and then figured out it wasn't exactly what I thought that it was. <laughs> yeah. Because when I heard the word trauma bonding, I thought it was like people who experienced trauma together or experienced similar traumas and are now bonded because of those similar traumas. But turns out that is actually called shared trauma. Um, And so shared trauma is when you experience either the same or similar traumas with somebody else and then become um, uh, some of the articles that I found said that you actually become like biologically bonded to that person because when you are in a fight or flight state and you're experiencing trauma, you secrete hormones, right? Like you have Mm -hmm. both your cortisol, but then you also have other like I think it is what oxytocin is the bonding hormone you have oxytocin and like all of these these hormones are secreting from your body and then when you're doing that at the same time you experience oh this person when i'm around this person or near this person or experiencing these things i'm experiencing oxytocin and so then it biologically bonds you to that person which i think is so i feel like i've so interesting sports or like you know playing football with all these guys and we're right hell week and it's like you're definitely bonded after and I think, and I think for you and I, as far as our childhood experiences, like we probably have a very different bond with our siblings, right? Like I know that I have a really, really gnarly bond with my sister and yes, it's because I love my sister, but also because we went through stuff together Yeah. and I mean, we can talk about everything in the sun. That's not the right expression. Everything, everything under the sun. Everything under the sun. <laughs> everything in the sun. <laughs> we can talk about everything under the sun. Yeah. But when we talk about our trauma, I become so emotional. I become so like, oh, I can't handle this. Yeah. Um, but and a really interesting point I wanted to bring up before I hand it over to Nick was this article um, through Well and Good. It talks about how the COVID-19 pandemic can make trauma bonding really difficult to spot because we're all going through a mutual kind of trauma together, experiencing a fight or flight, surviving a pandemic together. But I want to get into that after you talk about what trauma bonding is. But I thought that that was really interesting of an, like, that was a really interesting example to say like, oh yeah, duh, the pandemic probably has such a big (laughs) impact on our like shared traumas. Yeah, no, for reals. Like we're all going through this together. But yeah. Yeah. So the trauma bonding part of it is a little bit less healthy and mm-hmm. less fun than with the shared trauma that you had brought up. So mm-hmm. trauma bonding is a term developed by Patrick Carnes. It's the misuse of fear, excitement, sexual feelings, and sexual physiology to entangle another person. 
Um, yeah. So another, I love that definition. Yeah, no, that was a really good one. Another one is when someone's main source of support is also their abuser, a trauma bond can develop. <sighs> An abused person may turn to the abusive person for comfort when they are hurt, even if the person was the one who caused it. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, whoa, 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 whoa. I have a hundred thoughts about that. It's, it's <laughs> kind of like the, um, have you ever heard me say you can't cope the same way you celebrate? No. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like you you can't have like good or like sexy feelings from someone who's abusing you or harming you but, right yeah but you can but you can um, yeah but you shouldn't no but for the <laughs> most part it's the other person using that mm. to entangle you so that was like i mean basically i, love I the feel word like entangle yeah no that's really good because i feel like i had that growing up with like my parents yeah. like i was dependent on them but the abuse was Absolutely. coming from them and i was just stuck in this the only way i was able to get out of it was literally being kicked out and being like, well, I guess I'm, I'm no longer entangled with you, and now I can yeah. work on myself. So it was yeah. unfortunate that that had to happen. I can relate to that, and I, I think I want to, <laughs> I want to say something controversial because oh. the only, oh, because the the thing that I, oh, this is really controversial. The, Why is it I will controversial? say, I will say a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a trigger warning, but a controversy warning like yeah. oop you might disagree with me uh because the, the i think about like experiences where i might have had trauma bonding and i of course think about my parents i of course think about um you know abuse i've experienced in relationships or with partners but then the one thing that's really sticking out to me is my relationship with religion and oh. like my relationship to the church growing up when i was when i was a kid um and thinking about how like how out of place and like hurt or in some cases like abused or taken advantage of I felt by um by like the the church and I don't want to say like any people in particular but right the the definition of trauma bonding as I understand it is like if you're experiencing pain or harm from someone or something but still continuing to go back and to be a part of it because that is what you're you're supposed to do or justifying mm-hmm. those feelings or what you're you know what you're expected to do and what other people perceive to be as good right yeah. does that does that sound right no yeah i think you're on the right track i don't know did you have what do you think of, thing to add what do you think about that what do you I think don't, about re- that religion um i guess I that's know. maybe a little bit too conceptual cuz it's talking about like actual person to person right yeah that's it is talking person to person so if something mm. happened to you with the person like uh your priest or the preacher mm. like yeah that would suck mm-hmm. like he's the guy you turn to but no I know that it wasn't it wasn't anything like that no i think like what i what i'm talking about is when like when i was a part of the church it was i was only allowed to wear certain things i wasn't allowed to curse i was only allowed to do this and was only allowed to do that and it made me feel bad and I didn't like the people I didn't like the way that they they made me feel I didn't like you know any of those things so I think you would fall under the category of trauma bonding if you were then dependent on the church for survival because they still had to answer what they were saying and you're stuck but there is I'm sure you got some of that which I yeah which I was as a kid because my my grandma was the main person who like cared for my sister and I growing up and she was very involved in the church and so she was the only one that I could like lean on for sort of emotional support and so I had to like consistently stay involved in religion in order to still receive that sort of like 
care from her, which I don't think is true, but I think as a young child, that's what I perceived to be yeah, true. Yeah, 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 gotcha. I like, would I still had to argue do this. that you had the trauma bonding experience from your grandma, mm. and the church was the tool she used. Like, you would substitute Very sex, good. sex from yeah. the church. So, yeah, yeah. I think you're definitely right, and that's terrible that it did ruin religion for you like that. Thank you for helping me find the, like, source of it, because <laughs> I think that's always really hard is when people that care for you, especially the like surrogate people that are supposed to take you away from all the pain or trauma of your family end up still hurting you. Yeah, no, um, it's terrible. And I it's it's hard to it's hard to find out exactly who or what it is. And I it's interesting that the first thing I thought of was religion and then deeper, deeper, deeper yeah. layers. Oh, what is it what is it really? It's this yeah. person. Yeah. It's their actions. Like that's so true. Thank you for helping me find no, that. No, I love it's watching, really interesting. watching people work through shit like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's um, pretty good. I want to talk about your shared trauma experiences because I feel like I have that a lot with my wife and it came, mm. and that's like what bonded us. So like our travels, um, mm. people were like, oh yeah, when you're on vacation for each, with each other, you know, that's when you know, and it's like, what yeah. do you mean? It's vacation, but it's like, you want to kill each other. So mm. her and I traveling and backpacking through Europe like more than once was like a uh, very stressful and mm. fight or flight mode a lot of the time sleeping in airports not being it's 2 a.m where is our our like a condo we're staying at it's like yeah in those moments when we don't kill each other and we work together it does bond us i think and that was kind of one of those moments where i was like ah, mm. i think this person i could be with for forever yeah i did feel that bond yeah no absolutely and it's it was <laughs> it reminds me of one of the resources that i was looking at um and I, I don't think that this is true for you, but I think I have done this before of like mistaking shared trauma as compatibility. Like oh, yeah. mistaking that, oh, somebody's had a similar experience to me. We must be the same. Yeah. And like we must be able to like have a great relationship because we get each other. And that is never the case. <laughs> like I have dated and been with so many intimate partners that have experienced their own childhood traumas. And I've always been like, oh yeah, we're going to like survive trauma together. And then yeah. turns out it's really bad because <laughs> we don't have this like emotional capacity to heal each other, but we're both wanting to because we've survived trauma and want to heal or like help yeah. the other. Oh my and, God. I couldn't uh, imagine what that would look like. Fucking chaos. And so I think like I have, I've always, not always, but since I realized that, I've kind of looked or found that partners that haven't experienced specifically childhood trauma, I become more compatible with because I I can conceptualize like, oh, you've lived a healthy childhood and this is probably the things that you have, emo- like the, the emotional, what am I trying to say? Well, I think, I think the, you're onto something because I think people want to like well misery loves company first of all but also you also want even though all of our trauma is equal we've all experienced something we always our initial is like my trauma's worse like it's always Ah. not always but for the most part it could be the first thought so when you both have the same trauma you kind you could find yourself maybe competing yes when it's different when they're when it's different it's different and at the end of the day, it's like letting go of expectations because yeah. if I've experienced a certain trauma and then a partner or somebody that I know experiences the same or similar trauma, but they don't handle it in the way that I think that they should handle it or they expect me to handle my own shit in a certain way yeah. and then we are at a like 
divergence of expectations. And if your expectations aren't being met in a relationship, it's going to fail. That's what happens so. when you're, there's two yins or two yangs. You got to have <laughs> yeah. a yin and a yang. You have to have a balance. I yeah. think that's such a good. I think that's such a good, like pin for maybe our next episode is like, do opposites attract? Yeah. Like, I like is that. is that does that live in trauma? Probably. <sighs> it makes like, me think um, evolution and all that stuff. Like being different yes. is what yeah. drives us. Yes, yes. Even though I'm in the phase of my life where I want to say no to monogamy, Ooh, I want no there to monogamy. be more than two. I want more there to two. be always more than two. But. I know you're gonna have to rewrite a book or something because I like, know you're uh, Ying, you're in Ying uh, Yang and then what else? Uh, young. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to add to this topic? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think I did. I oh yes, yes, yes. I do. I want to circle back to the pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about like the biggest trauma that we all share, which <laughs> is the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I think that it brings up a new word in this article talking about collective trauma, which I wonder if collective tra- collective trauma is more of the like surviving a natural disaster or extreme sort of disaster. Or um, football. Maybe that was or, collective trauma, just being on the, a team or like a, mm, in, the, in the Marines, mm-hmm. in the Army, like your group yes. of, of soldiers with you. Yes. Maybe that's collective. Or like you all survive, like many people survive a plane crash or many yeah. people survive... Um, I know for folks who are survivors of um, like active shooting situations, like probably have a collective trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, but this is this is so interesting because it uh, the article says that there, the pandemic itself is is causing a form of collective trauma uh, because there's a very real threat of death or long term disability from just leaving your house to survive mm-hmm. this threat. We've isolated without seeing friends or family for weeks or months at a time. Um, and then we know this is not how humans are designed to operate. And this dynamic has allowed for trauma bonding relationships to crop up, which is so interesting because if you are surviving the pandemic, not only are you surviving this collective trauma together, but then if your only person or people that you are in a household with is, if it is a toxic relationship or a bad relationship, they're saying this article is saying that it creates more opportunity for trauma bonding, which I yeah, think is so interesting. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with that because I kind of thought at the beginning of COVID when people were just getting in relationships mm-hmm. so they weren't alone, it was like, I'm not sure how this, these are going to Or happen. getting divorced or breaking up because yeah. they can't stand being with their partner yeah. for that long or for the, in the spaces that, was that they, scary. they have Kayla been and in. I were uh, like, oh my God, are we going to kill each other right now? And yeah. <laughs> you know, luckily we made it through, but geez. I remember, but you were also... Living in a house with many pets, animals, a child, your partner's mom or parent. Like, that is a chaotic, that is a chaotic It was. Now that we have our own space, it's it's nice. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And I was living by myself in a studio apartment, ready to break out and just, (laughs) like, I was, I think, down at your house probably every other weekend. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was even scary being on your own. When you made all that sourdough, never forget. Oh my god, my sourdough creations were amazing. <laughs> but that is that is the last thing I wanted to say about trauma bonding and oh, how COVID good. probably has impacted that. So I thought that was really really interesting. That but. is really good. Um, well, moving mm-hmm. on to our deep cut and hard truth for today. Mm-hmm. Overexplaining is a form of trauma from being gaslit as a child. Hmm. 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 
Does that, does that happen to you, Nick? I overexplain every single day, all day, and it's exhausting. And I didn't know I did it until I saw that overexplaining was the form was a form of trauma. I still I'm confused about gaslighting in general. Uh huh. I don't really understand it. Um, so so maybe help me with that. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So my understanding of gaslighting is when somebody else makes you question your own reality. So if you're explaining to your parent no, this is how it goes. No, this is how it goes. And they say, no, it goes like this. And you're like, no. And then you go into a really, really in-depth explanation to justify Uh, your truth or your reality. And uh, they're like, still no. And you're like, what the fuck? It's so fucking Um, annoying, dude. (laughs) I literally over-explain myself. I have to like cut Mm -hmm. myself off now because now I'm trying to, I'm aware of it, so I'm practicing. Yes. But I literally just, uh, so a way to avoid this would be you know, say your whole truth and the facts. Mm. And then if you've said all that, just leave it. You don't like, yes. so I have to like, like tell myself, okay, I'm going to say this stuff and then I'm done. Like, yeah. Hey, this yeah. is what happened. This is how I feel. That's it. And it's, it's so interesting too about gaslighting because when I hear the word gaslighting, I hear in my head the phrase, like, I never said that mm, or yeah. I never did that. Your or, childhood no. was so good. Yeah. What are you talking about? I no, oh my god, my mom. I've never been on drugs a day in my life. Oh my god, mom. <laughs> Her pupils what? are like the size of a fucking penny. Like you're literally asleep right now. Oh what do you god, mean? What terrible. do you mean? Ugh. So I, it, I just find just... myself over-explaining to other people <laughs> more so than I do my parents now. I just feel like like that's part of what our relationship is. If I have to explain mm. something, I have to explain something. But like to coworkers or mm. to a manager or to my wife or friends you know just I feel like I find myself just I'm like running out of energy because I'm explaining something to death because I don't I want to make sure someone gets it I, like, I need you to get this. yeah like, yeah I got it I don't think you do. But are you sure? Yeah. Do you have it? Yeah. I wonder. I'm putting my, I'm pressing my little remember button because, which is my nose, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because I wonder if that is why I have taken a deep dive into like academics. Because I wonder if I have to know what this book says or what the definition of this is or what science says about this so that my reality is never questioned. I'm never oh, gaslit wow. because I have all the facts. And that's that like not sense. true. You know, like I no, know yeah. that that's not true, but I wonder if that's my strategy unconsciously um, in, you know, by taking this deep dive in academia. Yeah, I, I like that. I really like that. Ooh. makes me start to think maybe like I, you know, how I like kind of create my own lane, my own rules or whatever. Maybe I'm creating my own reality so no one can question it. And then my king complex gets to be in charge. Whoa. <laughs> I love this shit. It's so cool. I love when we get to learn. I know. Ah, I think it's a really good place learning. to end it, I think. I think so, too. I am so energized and ready for the rest of the day. And I'm going to be like, are we trauma bonded? Am I? <laughs> are you gaslighting me? Am I over explaining? Oh I'm going to be so critical of myself all day long. But no, that sounds really good. That was such a good episode. And I love you, Nick. Love you, too. Follow us at Trauma Drama Podcast on Instagram and TikTok to see show updates, video highlights, and much more. And DM us for topic suggestions, corrections, worries, concerns, love, and hate. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We upload episodes every Monday and Friday. Tune in for more.